Welcome back to 30 Days of F1 Beyond the Grid, a pre-season series featuring the best bits of the Beyond the Grid archive. I'm Tom Clarkson, and for day four, you're going to hear from the fourth most experienced Formula One driver of all time. Behind Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen and Lewis Hamilton sits Brazil's Rubens Barrichello, who competed in 322 races across 19 Formula One seasons. He may not be a world champion, but Rubens' longevity at the very pinnacle of motorsport definitely warrants legendary status. And you might have heard from Rubens quite recently if you watched the Disney Plus series about Braun Grand Prix's miracle 2009 season, where they became the first and so far only team to win both the Constructors' and Drivers' titles in their debut season. Rubens won races, but missed out on the title that year as teammate Jensen Button took the crown. And frustratingly for Rubens, he's no stranger to being a number two. From 2000 to 2005, he raced for Ferrari in the shadow of Michael Schumacher, who won five titles in a row during that spell. And Ferrari's favoritism of Schumacher was never more evident than at the Austrian Grand Prix in 2002. It doesn't look as though there's going to be any team orders here, and nor should we ever really have believed there would be. Oh, he's getting very close to Michael Schumacher, but Rubens Barrichello comes through. He's not going to let Michael through, is he? No, they're going to... Yes, he is! No. I do not believe it! I do not, Adam and Eve, what oh. is going on? Michael That's... Schumacher wins the Austrian Grand Prix. He doesn't deserve to win it. That is... Outrageous. Oh, I'm gobsmacked. Absolutely gobsmacked. That is not possible. And I can't believe it's even allowed. There is a lot of story about Austria, about uh, why Brazilian driver backed off and uh, came away from the throttle. People say, I would never have done that. So how come you say I would never have done that? If you didn't hear what I hear, that's what I say to the whole Brazilians. I say, look, I can't say 100%, but 99% of the whole population would have done exactly the same as me on that situation. Because it was just, a, I had just signed a contract for another two years. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what to, to say. So it was, it was hard. It was really hard not to have done it. And that day in, in uh, Austria, I, I was telling the whole world what it was going through with me for a long time. And they made better rules, better, uh, you know, the radio was open for public. And uh, so I've always said they had to use me to something, but they, <laughs> we made it better. How much discussion was there over the radio before you actually did the deed and moved over? Eight laps. Um, How did they explain it to you over eight laps? They, they were trying to be minimal on, on, on words. And I kept on saying that I'm, uh, my point there was that in 2001, I had to do the same in Austria. Because Austria, Austria, Silverstone, Interlagos, those tracks, I was superior than Michael. It was almost like mental. I would go to a place I knew that I, I would uh, qualify in front of him and race better. So 2001, I was, it was DC. You know, both, both of them are sitting on the same uh, room as us. Huh? So DC, DC was winning the race. He won actually the race in uh, Austria, 2001. And I was second and Michael third. And they asked me for, uh, to change uh, positions. And I, after the race, quite interestingly, I, I went to talk to them and I said, 
what would have happened if I was leading the race? I said, if you were leading the race, we would never ask you that. And that's, that was my point one year after on those eight laps. You guys told me that in my face. I said, oh, Rubens, we can talk later. I said, no, no, we got to talk now. It's, the race is finishing. So I think Michael was embarrassed. I certainly, on the podium, he certainly sure. looked embarrassed. But what about you guys away from the racetrack? The rivalry was intense on it. He never talked to me about that. He never talked to me about that. He never talked to me about the U.S. I was stronger than him that day in Indianapolis. But uh, on the pit stops, he came, he came in front of me. And I was running right behind him. And uh, we came out of the, the turn one Indianapolis corner. And I, he backed off. And I swerved to the right because I almost crashed into him. And uh, I backed off too. I said, well, what is that? And all of a sudden he backed off even more and my car started to go. But maybe he thought, okay, he doesn't want because he's backing off. So I go and I think, okay, he's kind of a giving, giving it to me. I got to take it. Well, win is a win. That's why the, the finish is so close. Because I think it was a question marks all the way through. There wasn't a, I didn't want it at first, but then I said, okay, I'll take it. So... I have 11 wins and 12 trophies because that Indianapolis one I never gave him back. So, so you got a, you got too many. So I will stay with that. <laughs> Look, but what about your relationship away from the track? Did you ever hang out? Did you? Yeah, we um, uh, with a glass of red wine in, in our hands. We were. I mean, there was a time in uh, in in. in uh, have you been to Madonna di Campiglio? I haven't, but I mean, there was, a, there was the, the, the skiing the, event the, before every exactly, season. Yeah. Yeah. There was a day during the uh, night event and uh, journalists had gone already. It was like 2 a.m., I don't know. We had a piano bar and a friend of mine, you, you got to know some of my friends. And uh, Jonathan was actually on the piano bar singing on the hotel. And the hotel, I remember the hotel telling us that, you know, shut off because uh, it's too noisy, but that's Michael, that's Rubens. We kept on going and I went to, to walk on the, on the hotel and there was this uh, thing for, for uh, as a bride when you get mar married. And then as I told Michael, if you dress the bride, I dress in, in, in the suit and we, we go and, and walk uh, uh, husband and wife. And he said, okay, he did dry, he, did he, did, he dressed in <laughs> own in white. It was superb with uh, his dead odd face. With, uh, Why uh, are there no so photographs much, of this? Oh, I don't know, man. I think that uh, it was, uh, uh, it was That's a, great. Uh, they, they didn't That's allow great. pictures there. So yeah. I don't know if uh, it was so funny. It was yeah. so funny. So the guy, he, know, he, he had a good uh, humor side. Yeah. He really had. And, uh, Every time he was drunk, uh, in a way, it wasn't like many times that we got drunk. Uh, but uh, it, like uh, there was a time in the karaoke in, uh, in Japan. He came the to me. Yeah, yeah. He came to me and he hugged me and said, "Rubens Barrichello, you're getting every year. You faster, faster, faster. You have to stop that." So it was funny. I remember those things with uh, with a good care. And then when you were no longer teammates, did the relationship get better or change? Or um, It was, I think he went back racing because, because he saw the success in 2009, honestly. He couldn't believe that I was still winning and uh, he, he might have thought if I'm there, I'll, I'll be winning too. That's for me what forced his thoughts of going back into Formula One and with the car that I was driving. 
Wow, what amazing memories with Michael. It's fascinating that Rubens had that relationship with him off track, given how challenging it must have been to be his teammate and watch firsthand the success he was having in the same car. And how awkward must that debrief have been after Rubens gave up the win in Austria? As you can imagine, with 19 seasons in Formula One, Rubens has plenty more tales like that, so make sure you listen to our full conversation. The link is in the description for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll be back for day five tomorrow when you're going to hear from one of the strongest personalities in the current Formula One paddock. I'll speak to you then. Keep up with the latest F1 action on F1 Nation. A superb finish to the line! Race previews, post-race insights and exclusive interviews from the heart of the F1 paddock. Magnificent team effort all round. Huge win for us today. And We're pushing at uh, the limit. We must have just got something wrong. Oscar, can we just grab you on the way out? A very, very cool day. It's been a weekend to remember. You'll hear from the drivers, team principals, engineers and F1 experts from around the world. Really, really nice to feel that atmosphere there in the garage. Having the two of them in the points, quite impressive. Those next few positions are worth millions of dollars. The combination is unbeatable. New episodes every Monday. Search your podcast app for F1 Nation.